1: What is up fantasy land welcome back to the goat district for those that are joining us again and those that are new we appreciate you guys jumping on smash a subscribe smash that like guys we've got another monster show tonight Dan is away Mr. overhyped sleeper with the family uh, on a little trip uh, we'll update you guys on that later on Andrew's cooped up in a La Quinta somewhere across uh, the US of a I'm sure Theo, tonight it's you and I. Uh, he's at the OG Fantasy. I'm at JD Goat District. Theo, we have another monster one tonight. A bit of KC New England news that we'll touch on on later on in tonight's show, but we're pretty pumped about tonight's guest returning. Why don't you walk
2: him in, my friend? Yeah, so we're really excited to have Jared Smola of Draft, Draft Sharks back on the Goat District. Uh, Jared, uh, this is his third time in the district. Um, we had him on as a solo guest and that show was awesome. And then we had a couple of Draft Sharks guys um, where we did like a big Goat District Draft Sharks uh, combo uh, show, which was awesome as well. Um, Jared's putting out tremendous content um, both in podcast form and in written form. Um, If you're not a Draft Sharks uh, subscriber uh, and you enjoy tonight's show with Jared, you should absolutely uh, subscribe. I'm a subscriber to Draft Sharks. Um, I love their content. Um, I think that all their guys are sharp, their guys have skin in the game, um, they have a tremendous uh, number of tools that can help you as, as a drafter, and it's just good to see, um, you know, other people's opinion that, that I respect in the industry. Um, so Jared, welcome back to the, to, uh, the GOAT District, um, we're super stoked to have you, how are you doing tonight?
3: Doing good, glad to be back, um, you know, best pod intro in the game, it always, you know, gets me fired up when I get to watch that and then come on with you, with you boys.
2: It's the best song in it, literally in fantasy football podcasting. It, it, I sure. crushed it on that one. Yep.
1: Sh- shout out to the FF man bun, Mr. Gabe, friend of the pod. Uh, we appreciate his work. And uh, yeah, man, happy to have you back. Jared, you're uh, like, like Theo mentioned before we came on. You guys are crushing it over there at Draft Sharks. We're pumped to have you on tonight. Talk some redraft, but just like every other convo we have on this show, whether we're talking redraft, best ball or dynasty, I think it applies across the board. Uh, when you're drafting this time of year, so we're looking forward to picking your brain, having a bit of banter on uh, what's going on, how you're approaching these drafts. Theo, why don't you
2: kick it off, man? Yeah, so we'll dive right into it. Um, you follow ADP closely. You also get uh, do rankings. Um, what's your initial reaction to ADP this year? Do you how do you view the first round, like in terms of tiers? Do you think it's appropriately priced?
3: I mean, what's what's driving my early draft strategy and I would say this is like the first three or four rounds is to me I I love the running backs available in like rounds two and three and there's even a guy in round four Cam Akers I'm having trouble passing up on him in round four Um, so the, the running backs available in those you know second third rounds that's kind of pushing me towards ideally one of those elite wide receivers in the first round. If I can get Cooper cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase, and then, you know, moving towards the back half of the first round, you know, a a Steph Diggs, a Devonta Adams. Like I, I like locking up one of those guys in the first and then coming back and grabbing, you know, two of, you know, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley is, I think, a massive, massive value in drafts right now. You, know, you have Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, uh, Javante Williams is like a you know second or third rounder at this point. Um, so I feel good if I can get a couple of those backs who I think have you know the potential to get 300 touches and you know put up top 10 fantasy numbers. If I can pair a couple of those guys with one of those truly elite wide receivers, that's kind of how, how I like starting drafts right now.
2: Yeah, We're- I love. Um, so I love. So I love that um, call. I think that um, I've actually been doing the same, um, where you can. It's almost like a, a modified hero RB build. We could call it the sidekick build. It's like more Robin than Batman. <laughs> um, but you get these guys in the in the third round. That I think that wide receivers kind of been correctly pushed up at certain portions, where you get a guy like a James Conner. I think Fournette's interesting. Um, I love your Saquon call but I I think he's he's headed up to the second maybe kind of loses a little bit of his value but you're starting to see see ETN climb up in there it's a very interesting way to approach this year and I think there could be some monster teams built that way so I'm glad to see you're on that go ahead
1: where does that tier end for you Jared like if you're if you're looking at that second to third round I know you mentioned a lot of guys there like does does Demont make it in there for you does Dobbins make it in there for you does it stop at Brees Hall no um, it kind of stops at
3: Cam Akers for me right now.
1: Right. Um, I'm
3: okay with Brees Hall. I don't. I don't love David Montgomery. I don't love J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins, especially, I'm off of that cost right now. Um, you know, the ACL is the the first issue with him. Uh, you know, we'll see how that progresses into the summer. Um, but I just expect that to be a committee backfield as it's been throughout Greg Roman's time as an offensive coordinator, both in Baltimore and San Francisco. Like they're going to get multiple guys involved there. I don't think Dobbins is going to get enough work on the ground or in the passing game to, you know, pay off where he's going at this point.
2: What about like when we talk about, uh, you know, your, your regular ADP, we'll call it FFPC ADP right now for football guys. Mm -hmm. Do you see certain tier breaks within that first round? Like, let's say it's the CM, let's say it's Taylor and CMC one, the three big three wide receivers. And then like, is, is Eckler, um, like you're kind of your 106, 107. I'm not sure. Like which way do you see the first round kind of breaking down in terms of real value?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd put Cup in that top tier with McCaffrey and Taylor. Um, if, if I can get a top three pick, I'm super happy. That you know, then the next tier for me, if we're talking FFPC, I probably, you know, probably have yeah. Travis Kelsey in that in that next yeah. tier along with Jefferson. And Chase, and yeah, I'd probably have Austin Eckler. And for me, Najee Harris is would be in that tier alongside Eckler. I just, you know, I, I, I love chasing volume, and I think Harris is as good a volume bet as any running back in football, even though maybe the efficiency won't be, you know, what someone like Jonathan Taylor or Christian, or Christian McCaffrey is going to put up. But I think, I think Harris is going to get the volume to, to pay off. So those are kind of my top two tiers. And the back half of the first round gets messier, where, like, you can make a case for, you know, to me, most of the guys going in round two right now, are as good as the guys going, you know, in the final
2: third of the first round. Yeah, it's pretty flat. Um, But that you could make the devil's advocate is that early second is just loaded right now. Um, You can really put together some nice builds with that. And we're going to get into that um, a little bit later. Um, But we've got to start the show out with, you had one of the best calls. I mean, you were one of the analysts in the industry really banging the table for Cooper Cup last year and I'll say the other draft sharks guys were were definitely on him as well. So you guys should get a lot of credit for that. You, you guys named Cooper Cup. You. you guys named Cooper Cup as your comeback player of the year um and did a big article about him. Um anytime you guys wrote your draft plan articles Cooper <laughs> Cup you had them in the like the fourth or fifth round tier like as a guy you really wanted people to draft you you practically, practically begged uh, people to to draft him. Um so you do think that this year after being drafted in that range, um, that he's very deserved of of being drafted at like the 102, 103 right now.
3: I do. I mean, I I'm not projecting him to match what he did last year, but I really don't think he's gonna fall off a whole lot. I mean, you just look at some of the efficiency stuff he posted. Like 10.2 yards per target for Cup last year. That's that's a great number, but it wasn't even a career high. He had 10.3 yards per target back in 2018. He only played eight games that season, but still like, you know, that's a mark that he's proven he can get to, Um, you know, he scored on 11% of his catches last season. That's a high touchdown rate, but it's not like crazy high. You know, he scored on around 8% of his catches over his first uh, four NFL seasons. And then, then you have, you know, Robert Woods and Odell Beckham uh, combined for 19% of the Rams targets last season. They bring in Allen Robinson. I think he probably soaks up most of the targets that Woods and Beckham, Leave behind, but like you know, there is room for Cup to again lead the league in targets by a pretty wide margin. Um, and th- one more note on the Rams, I think, is interesting, and this kind of applies to the entire offense. Their offensive play volume was down quite a bit last year from where it had been the previous two seasons with Sean McVay. Sixty-two point two plays per game for the Rams last season. That was just 18th in the league. Um, they ran. 68 65.9 and 66.3 plays per game the previous three seasons so you know they were down by you know four to six plays per game from where they had been i think that's kind of just a you know one-off fluke and i think you're going to see uh bigger play volume from the rams in general this season which is going to kind of you know boost everyone on that team
1: it's almost like there's a lot of factors that could balance out the natural natural exactly as some some are calling right
2: exactly and then I think another another point is you like you're bringing up Acres, you're bringing up Cup. Um, what if the what if there's just a chance that Matt Stafford is just more comfortable in the system in year two okay. and is even more efficient? I mean that offense could be could be scary. Um, and also you could see the defense take a step back. Um, that division is going to be you know a pretty difficult one. Um, so I, I think that there's a, a big range of outcomes for the Rams, but I think that uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see Cup really falling off and. Even if he did fall off slightly, he could still <laughs> fall off and be wide, re- and wide receiver one overall. So he's got like a nice, a nice cushion there for sure. Um, you also have talked about another wide receiver that we're targeting early on in drafts, Devontae Adams. Uh, a wide receiver who changed teams this offseason. He's on the Vegas Raiders now. Um, do you think that he's appropriately priced right now? Um, do you think he's like a value or maybe a, is he a player you're targeting or fading? What's your general uh, uh, feeling about Devontae right now?
3: Yeah, I don't really have a hot take on Adams. Like, I think he's fairly priced where he's going. Like, you know, tail end of the first round feels right to me. That's about where he sits in our rankings. Um, you know, I, I just I, I think great players earn targets and Devontae Adams is a great player. You know, he's been top eight in PFF receiving grade in four straight seasons now. So you know, maybe he doesn't see the twenty eight. Twenty nine percent target share he, he's been getting in Green Bay the past few seasons, you know, with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller to compete with in Vegas. But I still think he's going to be, you know, twenty five plus percent of the the Raiders' targets. I think he's, you know, going to finish in the top ten among receivers and targets, probably inside the top five. Um, and it, it, it's a quarterback downgrade from Rodgers to Carr, no doubt about that. But I, you know, Derek Carr he's the butt end of plenty of jokes. But I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he was top seven in the NFL last season in passing yards, completion rate, and yards per attempt, and that was you know without Vontae Adams. Um, so now he gets a, a you know big upgrade at wide receiver there. And one more note on the Raiders too, and is kind of similar to what I just talked about with the Rams, but you know, the Packers were a slow offense the past few seasons, especially last year. They were actually dead last in situation neutral pace last season. They were just 16th in offensive plays, 15th in pass attempts. I think the Raiders are going to be a faster paced offense, run more plays and probably throw more passes. This season than the Packers did last year, so you know the the pie that Adams is going to be eating from, I think it's going to be a bit bigger in Vegas than it was in Green Bay.
2: Jay, you're on Adams right now.
1: No, I, 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 to be honest, I haven't so far. Uh, I just prefer other guys in that range. Like I was going to do some over the OTC with you guys with guys that I I, I like uh, better in that range, like C.D. Lamb or Adams for you, Jared. Uh, Adams, I just I just think he's a better target bet. Uh, we can talk about C.D. because he's, he's
3: interesting. I mean, he just hasn't earned targets at a super high rate yet, but it's definitely possible, I think, this year with
2: Cooper and Gallup, um, you know, Cooper gone and Gallup out for the start of the season. Yeah, Adams for Adams for me as well, Um, if and I think it's like Adams by kind of a, a slight tier. He's like a tier above, in my opinion. Adams is like – and I don't know, Jared, if you're thinking this way, but if you're getting like the the 111, mm-hmm. the 112, I feel like Adams could be part of like a – like a high upside build from, from, from those spots. So like, I, I'm, I'm into Adams. Um, I definitely don't have him in the, in the cup, Jefferson chase tier. I just mm-hmm. think for me, it's like, how low can you rank him? I mean, he's, he's such a great player. Yeah. He's, oh, he's, he's, in he's in that good second good tier. Yeah. He's for sure he's in the right second there, tier. So.
1: He's with, he's with Diggs. Yeah. He's with T Higgins, AJ Brown, Debo, and then maybe, and then Tyree Kill for me.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, if I'm picking like 110 or 111 and, you know, especially if Steph Diggs is off the board, Um, Again, that's where I like grabbing Devontae Adams because I know there's going to be a running back. I like coming back around to me in the second that I take. I mean, you could start RBRB. I have no issue with that. Um, But if we're talking FFPC, full PPR, I'd rather grab Adams, the elite. You
1: can't do RBRB, man. Come on, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: you can. I know it's not cool, but you can do it.
2: That's actually an interesting, um, it's not on the show sheet, but when you start doing your your projections, maybe years back, a lot of players, um, a lot of, you know, rankers and, and analysts didn't necessarily like um, when a wide receiver changed teams. Mm-hmm. Now with so many elite wide receivers changing teams, have you kind of adjusted your thought process and now maybe you don't even care about it or is it something you still keep yeah. in the back of your mind? I mean, I remember fading Hopkins and Steph Diggs. I, I believe
3: they changed teams the same season, right? It was a few years yep. ago now. Yeah, um, absolutely. I remember fading both of them because I, I actually did an article on draft sharks looking at wide receivers that change teams. And, you know, the majority of them score fewer fantasy points uh, in their first season with a new team. But so that's still in the back of my mind. But like, I think Hopkins and Diggs prove that when you have an elite wide receiver um, and, you know, the. Raiders paid what they paid yeah, exactly. to get Devonta Adams. Like, they're, they're going to make sure he gets the football. And, again, I don't have quarterback concerns. They're like, yeah, Carr is not as good as Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think, you know, it's going to be a disaster. They obviously have the chemistry from their days together at Fresno State. So it, it's a case-by-case basis. I think you still got to consider that when these wide receivers are changing teams. But, again, when it's an elite talent like Adams, I'm, I'm not worried about it.
1: Let's get 1912 Fantasy, who, by the way, was the uh, first uh, to join the um, – the listener league that we announced at the end of last show. So if you guys are listening, we've got a few spots filled. We're going to fill the first one. Uh, if we can fill the second one, we will, we'll see how much interest there is, but if you guys are interested, just uh, send a quick email at goat district or sorry, goat district at Gmail and uh, give us your full name, your username mm-hmm. or your uh, sorry, Twitter handle. And we'll, uh, we'll hook you guys up with a spot in this year's uh, listener league. I think we'll do it. What till the end of June deal, maybe take, uh, registrations, and then we can set it up for July, maybe second half of July. Yeah, that
2: that sounds, that sounds about right. Um, it'll fill pretty quick. So uh, yeah. if you're listening to this and you want to draft with us, uh, it, we're going to, we're going to get it filled. We'd love to have some of our great listeners on for that one. Um, so 1912 wants to know, do you, a, do you have a cup this year? No, I'm
3: going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's not going to be a fifth round receiver that ends up, you know, leading the position in fantasy points by, wide margin um so there's probably not going to be a cooper cup this year um i I will say a a guy kind of in that mold like you know definitely not a sleeper a guy going um you know in that fourth fifth round range i i really am high on this season is mike williams um that's just an offense i want a piece of you know the chargers were great last year there's so much continuity on that offense i think they're just going to pick up right where they left off and i you know i don't i don't think keenan allen is you know going to hit the wall or that he's done but like I think he's probably past his peak at this point. Where I still think Mike Williams is kind of on the up and up, and Williams was actually better than Allen last year. If you look at you know, metrics like PFF receiving grade, yards per route run, Allen was actually the more efficient player. Um, so I think there's a, a chance this season we see Mike Williams, you know, pass up Keenan Allen as, as the top target in that passing game.
1: Agreed.
2: No, I love the I love the call. Um, so you heard it here first. Uh, Jared wants you to draft Mike Williams in that fourth, fifth, sixth range. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, is there a player that's maybe not? a wide receiver that you see have, um, maybe he's not quite the league winner, but just a massive value in that fourth or fifth round. We could throw the sixth round in there as well. If you want to want to take it that deep.
3: Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, Saquon Barkley sticks out to me. I know he's, you know, a a second rounder at this point, but I just, um, man, like to me, the only knock against Saquon Barkley is the injury stuff. And I, I just think, you know, that tends to be fluky. And that's not, it's not a reason I tend to fade guys. Um, Travis Etienne's on our list. I know we're going to talk about him later, um, but I think he has the potential. If we're talking full PPR, like he 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 can have an Alvin Kamara type season where you talk about you know nice rushing production, but I think he could you know really just have a massive season in the passing game in Doug Peterson's offense. So that's a guy that sticks out to me that I'm um, you know targeting in that you know fourth fifth round range. We
2: could we can jump to that uh to that uh question. Um, right now, the two biggest movers, I mean, besides Saquon, who's kind of settled in, I think, um, if you're drafting NFFC or you're drafting FF, uh, FFWC or, or FFPC, he's pretty much settled in at the second round. Um, but you have two huge movers, ETN and also Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is on like this this meteor meteoric rise right now where he's mm-hmm. going to be drafted as I think he's he's going to be drafted as a wide receiver one. Um, by the end of the summer, and he's also going. He's going in that range right now. Do you think Michael Pittman and and you brought up ETN um, yeah. are appropriately priced and and potentially league winner types?
3: To me, to me, league winners a bit strong for Michael Pittman, just because I I just think the Colts offense is going to continue to you know, be run leaning and lean on Jonathan Taylor. I'm not sure there's going to be enough volume there for Pittman to be like a true league winner. I definitely think he could finish as a wide receiver one, but like you said, Theo, that's basically what he's being drafted as yeah. at this point. So I think he's fine where he's going. Um, you know, he had a really nice second season. He finished uh, PPR wide receiver 18 last year. And that was with, you know, iffy quarterback play on a uh, run heavy offense, 26% target share for Pittman last year, which is super encouraging. So I, I definitely like him. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't think he's a massive
2: value where he's going at this point. Um, but just for instance, would you take, you brought up Mike Williams, Mike Williams versus Michael Pittman, which way are you going there?
3: Uh, Mike Williams, just based on the you know, strength of the offense and the fact that the Chargers play so fast and they're so pe- uh, pass heavy.
1: Where are you on uh, Rashad Bateman? He's, he's uh, I find a nice value at receiver right now. He's going behind guys that I, I would take, Uh, Bateman over Chris Godwin, a guy coming off injury, uh, maybe more to fight with uh, for those targets, you know, maybe not as much a half pass heavy offense, but if he's the number one guy, I like Bateman's value right now.
3: Yeah, I like Bateman a lot. Um, He's a guy I keep trying to push higher up our rankings. I, you know, I got to fudge the projections a little bit to get him up there. My issue with Bateman is I do think, and I guess this is dependent on, you know, the recoveries of of Dobbins and and Gus Evers, but I do think Baltimore probably, leans back more towards the run like they did the previous few seasons you know they ended up going much pass heavier last year I think that was largely because of all the running back injuries they suffered uh, last summer they kind of had to push towards the pass Um, but I think this year you're going to see them you know probably be under 50 percent pass like they were um, you know back in like 2019 2018 Um, so that caps Bateman a little but I mean unless they add something at wide receiver, like, you know, Bateman could be a 26 to 28% target share guy. And if he, if he's there, then even if Baltimore is run heavy, there's going to be enough volume there for, you know, Bateman. to you know, finishes a top 25 fantasy guy.
2: You, you, you wrote a great article. It was a best ball article, but you brought up a couple of other wide receiver values. Maybe you could share um, (laughs) some other wide receivers you view as values right now. Um, and two players that you mentioned in the article were Brandon Cooks and Chase Claypool. Maybe yep. you could go into a little further detail on those two. I mean, Cooks is just undervalued every
3: year. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I get it at this point. He's like he, you know, he's a Texans wide receiver. He's not super young anymore. I mean, the guy's still super effective. You look at PFF receiving grade, yards per route run, all that efficiency stuff. He's still you know among the top twenty in the NFL. Um, he saw big volume last year. I don't think that's going to change. I mean, all Houston did was add John Mechie, who, you know, is an undersized slot guy coming off an ACL. Like, I don't think he's going to contribute a whole lot this season. So Cooks is still going to see a ton of volume. Um, he he finished wide receiver 21 last year and he's going, you know, seven, eight spots lower than that in ADP right now. Um, and I mean, and, and, and Davis Mills flashed last year and cooks was more productive in games with Davis Mills than he was in the other games. Um, so I think, you know, it could be a quarterback upgrade for
2: cooks this year over what he had seen the previous few, uh, few seasons. Yeah. 27% target share guy last year. And it's hard to see him really dip below right. that level. So that's a, uh, that's a great call. What about Claypool though? He's, he's kind of polarizing. Yeah. Some players seem to be completely off Claypool. Um, what are your thoughts about him this year?
3: Yeah, and I totally get the concerns. I, I get the con side with Claypool, but like, like to me, he's just totally priced at his floor and like people aren't considering the ceiling he brings. I mean, he's wide receiver 49 on FFPC right now. He finished wide receiver 38 last year. And again, it wasn't, you know, a great season. There were issues with Claypool that, you know, are at least semi concerning, but um, even, you know, if you consider that as floor, it's, you know, 10 spots higher than he's being drafted right now. Um, But again, I just, you know, I look at the upside here, Uh, PPR wide receiver 22 as a rookie, Claypool was and that you know, was with ben roethlisberger who he wasn't great two years ago um you know he's 23 years old he's a 6'4 240 pounder 99th percentile athleticism um i, I just think again the, the ceiling is still there and you're you know, it's not priced in if he's you know going wide receiver 49 in drafts or not. i think he should be going you know at least 10 spots higher
2: i'm always a sucker for claypool um canadian I, I, you know, canadian
1: boy man how can you not be maple trying to go uh, we got we got a couple guys. Uh, Joey Brown, who who just took one of those spots uh, in the league. Of course, uh, Joey, we appreciate you, man. And Matthew Bing- Bingham, just bring him Cortland Sutton. Maybe you can comment uh, on the Denver receivers. You know, we see Judy and Sutton kind of going up and down and trading places uh, in the drafts these yeah. days.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm def- I definitely want to be in on both, um, you know, with the massive quarterback upgrade they're getting. And I think Sutton and, and Judy are both big-time talents. I actually prefer Judy. You know, we-, we have Judy ranked higher right now. I believe Sutton's going higher in ADP still. Um, and Sut- Sutton's season last year was kind of alarming, just how little he did in games Judy played. And Sutton was great in those games Judy missed when he had the ankle injury. But when Judy came back, Sutton was, like, invisible. Like, he was not even getting targets in. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that was just a quarterback play. Um, first Sutton, year back from injury, no. First year back from injury, definitely. Pot. But the, funny, the, I, I, it's tough to blame that though, because again, Sutton was so good early in the season. He was so productive early on. You know, it was like weeks two through seven or eight when Judy was out, and Sutton was awesome. So it's it's kind of tough to blame the ACL when he kind of showed he could do it again. But then as soon as Judy came back, Sutton kind of disappeared. So it's concerning. I, I still believe in Sutton as a player. I liked him as a prospect. He had a you know good couple of first seasons uh, before that ACL.
1: Um, but
3: could again, I, I, I just
1: prefer, I prefer Judy right now. Okay. I was going to just say like could conditioning, maybe play a factor, like him not playing out the season, you know what I mean? Yep. Down the stretch uh, that way. We, yeah, we definitely, have, definitely uh, Okay. Quick, quick! Other one, Theo from nineteen twelve, asking about the rookie receivers. I know we're going to touch on it uh, a bit, but we're talking receivers: London, Burks, Moore, and Olave. What are your takes on these guys? Do you have a favorite, maybe, and, and maybe a least favorite? Yeah, London's my favorite, um, and you know, he he was actually my
3: wide receiver one in the class before the draft. Um, but you know, he's my fa- my favorite more because he just has such a great path to targets. There, I mean, you know, there's very little competition at wide receiver. I know the you know, quarterback play is going to be iffy in Atlanta. The entire offense is probably going to be iffy, but um, I just think, you know, they're going to be trailing. It's going to be Drake London and Kyle Pitts seeing, you know, a vast majority of the targets there. So v- volume wise, um, you know, London's pretty clearly my, my favorite
2: rookie wide receiver for, uh, for redraft. Do you see any others making uh, an, an impact? I know there's some on the lobby train right now, yeah. Um, you know, Trey Burks is going pretty much neck and neck with Drake London in, in mm-hmm. you know, football guys type drafts. Uh, is there any others that you see making a potential redraft, uh, redraft impact this year?
3: Yeah, I definitely think Burks will. Um, just because, yeah, because I think, you know, he has a pretty nice path to targets, too. We'll see how Robert Woods does coming off the ACL. But, you know, even if Woods is healthy, I think, you know, Burks probably gets to, you know, around 100 or so targets. Hopefully the Titans use him in the, in the running game too. You know, I think he he can do that. You know, he's that you know, Debo Samuel ask player with the ball in his hands. I hope, you know, he can get, you know, a carrier or two per game. I think that would help the fantasy value. Uh, Chris Olave is becoming more and more interesting. The longer Michael Thomas, ankle injury lingers and, you know, it's crowded there now, with Jarvis Landry added to the mix. Um, but, you know, man, I've, I'm not sure what to make of Michael Thomas right now. And, you know, if he's, not on the field or not himself. Um, I think Olave could definitely be a factor this season. Yeah. I like well, Thomas could... early,
1: earlier in the season, Atheo at his, his prices, like in the, the February, March drafts, he was, yeah. he was a lot nicer, but now it's getting kind of up there in the fifth and sixth round.
2: Yeah. You might, you might get stuck with a, uh, with an, like a, a guy not playing JD. Cause I don't have any hope for, for Michael Thomas. And I could see yeah. the initial, the initial like thoughts, you know, he's going to come back, but the guy just – he hasn't done anything now for like three years. And um, I think we're, we're hoping for you know, him to come back and, and just a, a embrace you know, being a saint and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I don't see myself drafting him at all. Um, Especially at the opportunity, some...
1: with the opportunity cost that you're missing out yeah. on. You know what I mean? In these rounds, by taking him, it's it's risky.
2: Yeah, sixth round Thomas versus like a guy you brought up, Bateman. Like those – I'm on Ross St. Brown these guys who are younger you know they're going to be there and all that sort of thing Elijah Moore. So, yeah it's just for me i i can't i can't pull the trigger on that one um one so what, what we could pivot over is there any other wide receivers uh jd you want to ask jared about i was going to pivot over to a different position
1: no i think we touched on i was trying to look if we missed anything uh do you maybe give us your quick uh, cole's notes on the the miami guys with tyree kill i don't think we touched on in waddle
3: yeah, that's an interesting situation because the the ADPs on Hill and Waddle compared to Tua don't really make sense to me. Like, you know, if if Hill and Waddle are going to finish top fifteen, which is where they're going in ADP, um, you know, Tua is going to finish a lot higher than where he's being drafted among quarterbacks, or vice versa. Like, I, to me, Jalen Waddle is a bit overvalued right now. Uh, I just think he had a nice rookie season. I think he's a nice player, uh, but he really feasted off volume last year. He had, I think, he had 140 something targets. I just think that's probably going to come down a bit with Hill there. I think Miami might push towards the run a little bit more under Mike McDaniel. I mean, you know, that he's comes from the Shanahan tree and that scheme, you know, does lean on the running game quite a bit. Um, so I, I just don't think Waddle's going to match his, his targets last year. He's a bit overvalued for me. And I think Tyreek Hill is fine where he's going. Um, I think, you know, he's a good enough player where even with the you know, quarterback downgrade, he's going to be fine.
2: You like Hill as a, would you consider him in the second round? Or are you more comfortable taking him in the third
3: Yeah, I think late, you know, back half of the second round, I'm comfortable with him. If I could pair him with a Cooper Cup or one of those elite running backs, you know, CMC or Taylor, I'd be pretty happy.
2: Yeah, I think like you talk about and we'll talk about range of outcomes a little bit later. But like Tyreek Hill is one of those guys that could have it could be laughable where he's going in some of these drafts. I mean, that could be one of the one of the outcomes of this season for sure. Theo, before, um,
1: you, uh, before you jump to the next one, let's give some quick, quick love to our friends at the FFPC. They're our, our partners in this. Uh, they support us. We support them. We love playing on their site. We love smashing drafts for a million bucks right now, guys, uh, in the main event. You can play for five hundred grand in football, guys. With an early bird special, you get a $35 credit when you buy three teams. And the best ball, Theo, you and I are teaming up to build the winning roster of the two hundred thousand dollar grand prize, right now as we speak, we'll be doing a, a ballin episode on that to review the draft board, and of course, your favorite Theo. I did a quick, uh, and Jared, you might be interested on this. I did a, a, a you know a quick poll on on the uh, the, the old it, Twitter sphere, just looking at like dynasty versus redraft versus DFS versus best ball. And Dynasty, surprisingly enough, I don't know if that's just our following, but crushed it by like 85%, uh, you know, spreading out the other three. So you got to love the degenerates voting for that in the middle of June. Uh, the Dynasty, <laughs> don't forget the startups, guys, starting at 77 at the FFPC, myffpc.com. And that's the site that the listener league will be on. So if you want to be in the league and you're not already in the site, tag Theo or, or myself or at Good District, and we'll hook you up with a uh, free sign up bonus when you sign up on
2: the site. They're symbiotic JD. Like you got to do, you got to do best ball. You got to play dynasty oh. and you got to, you got to do redraft. They, I mean, they, they all go hand in hand. And I think a lot of players are, are in for all three. And I think when you do all three, it makes you better at all three. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've dragged a couple of redraft people into the, into the dynasty realms. We've dragged a couple of people over in the best ball streets. And it's just like, once you get into the, uh, you know, the, the routines of the off season, you're going to want to be doing all three. So, Jared, sure, you're, you're an all three guy, aren't you?
3: Oh, of course. I mean, and dynasty, especially like the depth of knowledge you need to play dynasty and and also the understanding of like the macro, you know, of all these teams The understanding you, mm-hmm. you need to have of that stuff to play dynasty really, really helps when you get down to, to the redraft stuff.
2: Absolutely. And, and like JD's talked about like the best ball, like the, the, the growth of underdog and all these best ball tournaments just make you such a sharper drafter or, um, mm-hmm. it's one of the best ways to get ready for your higher stakes drafts is those $5 drafts where you're playing for some skin um, you're playing for a big major prize and you have to make quick decisions on the clock. Um, yep. I think that those are, and you can do experimental builds. So, you know, why wouldn't you be doing best ball in the off season? Got to get those reps in. Yeah. A hundred percent. And
1: use the code district guys, get that hundred dollars sign up bonus on underdog while we're at it. Go, go draft for $2 million guys. Come on.
2: No brain oh, for sure. For sure. So we just talked wide receivers, Jared, you crushed it. Um, you know, we all got a lot out of those wide receiver takes, but we got to go over to tight end. We keep mentioning the FFPC tight end premium. Um, one player that you're very higher on, um, you have him high up in the ranks for tight ends. Um, is Dallas Goddard. Could you explain your expectations for him and why you're so bullish? And is he a potential tight end premium league winner at the tight end spot?
3: I think he could be a league winner uh, when you factor in his ADP right now. I'm just, I'm just surprised there's not more hype on Goddard because I feel like for years we all waited for you know him to be freed of Zach Ertz, and then you know it finally happened last year, and the results were strong. You know, Goddard scored as the tight end five in his 10 healthy games post Zach Ertz trade, and that was with the Eagles going super run heavy. You know, they were the the run heaviest team in the NFL over the last you know 10 or so weeks. Of this season, I think they're going to push more towards the pass this season. Um, you know, I think I, I would assume the concern with Goddard for people is you know AJ Brown's arrival and you know he he pairs up with Devonte Smith to give him a strong wide receiver duo, and wh- what is that going to mean to Goddard's volume? But you know, I just think for one, Goddard's just good at football. Um, you know, he he's been top ten among tight ends in yards per route run in three straight seasons now, including a first place finish last year. He led all qualifying tight ends in yards per route run. Last season. So I, I, I think he's one of the best pass catching tight ends in the NFL. He also saw a 25% target share in those 10 games without Zach So you know that can that can come down three, four percentage points, and he can still, you know, finish among the top five tight ends in target share. Um Nick Sirianni's offense, you know, he comes from the Frank Wright coaching tree. That offense tends to utilize tight ends heavily in the passing game. We saw it when Sirianni was in Indianapolis. We saw it last year, you know, Eagles tight ends last year combined for 24 and a half percent into the team's targets, league average tight end target share is around 20%. So they were well above league average there. So I just think it's, it's still an offense that's going to feature the tight end in the passing game, even with AJ Brown's arrival. And again, I just think Goddard is good enough where, you know, he's not going to get phased out.
2: I love the take. Um, I think he's, like you said, he's an extremely talented player and I think we, we get caught up into, you know, the, the metrics are super important. Uh, I don't want to sound like a meathead, but at the end of the day, talented players end up having big-time seasons in the NFL. Um, and I think what's interesting is I-, I discussed this with some people on Twitter. I had a, a football guys draft where I drafted Dallas Goddard um, at the six oh eight, and I think I just thought it was notable not just for getting him, you know, near the seventh round, which I think is fine value, um, but the fact that Dalton Schultz is going two rounds ahead of Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Um, To me, it's just, that's such an overcorrection on Schultz. And I know there's some really sharp people on Schultz, but like the Schultz versus Goddard argument where I can draft a a better player um, two rounds later that I think is a much more talented player who, like you said, in the range of outcomes could end up outscoring them. Like, what would you percentage chance? I would say Goddard, Schultz, even if you take a bullish stance on Schultz, it's still like 55, 45. Um, But I think the ceiling of a Goddard is higher than the ceiling of the Schultz. Would you have that take?
3: Yeah, and I I like Schultz. Yeah, you know, I, I you know if you put, ask me to put a percentage on, I'd say you know sixty forty in Goddard's favor that he scores more fantasy points this season. But I do like Dalton Schultz. Kind of same story with T.J. Hawkinson. You know I'm looking at ADP right now. He's going over a full round ahead of Dallas Goddard, and you could definitely argue Schultz and Hawkinson just ahead of Goddard in their rankings. But even in that case, you know they'd be just ahead, and I don't think there should be two or even a round difference an ADP on them. So I I do, you know, to me, Goddard right now is, you know, one of the best values at tight end.
2: Yeah. And I think them going and getting AJ Brown is like the, the pie could get larger. Um, It could create just that, that offense could just be supercharged this year. And maybe they want Jalen hurts to, to, to pass more often. It seems like they do, they added weapons. And uh, I think it's going to be really fun to see Smith and and Goddard out there with AJ Brown. And and I think Goddard could be super sneaky. JD, what, where are your take on, on Goddard?
1: Yeah, he's you know, like he we just talked about the two guys that I guess it's funny because TJ Hawk was going ahead of both of those guys, you know, earlier in the offseason, they were yeah. he was going ahead of whether you're doing redraft or you know, best ball or whatever it was, Schultz and and uh TJ Hawk, uh or sorry, TJ Hawk, and then it was uh Godert and then it was Schultz later on, and now Schultz obviously creeped up. I like Goddard. I like that offense just as a whole, Philly. I think I think people uh, the doubters in Hurts and the doubters in AJ Brown going there and what he can do there, I think is is giving them some good value uh, at where they're going. I think for all the pieces, I don't, I can't get mad at anyone taking Godert there. I, I personally don't grab him off in there just because of the way I have my builds. I either, you know, grab one of the studs early. Now I find myself going later and just taking later guys. I find that the deeper I go into the offseason, the more I'm comfortable doing that. Um, kind of the reverse of the running backs, you know, where, where you're, I rather now I'm, I'm more uh, more reluctant or less reluctant to do like a hyper uh, fragile running back build closer. I get to the season as opposed to early in the season. And, and, you know, it's kind of similar with the tight ends. You're more comfortable taking those shots. I know um, Matthew was asking about a guy that Theo and I, or sorry, I got the wrong one. We'll come back to that one. But he was asking about a guy that Theo and I started discussing and I, Matthew here is asking about Hayden Hurst going in Cincinnati. How do you feel, Jared, as a tight end two? I know personally, and I don't know if you can answer after Jared, but I'm more comfortable with him as a tight end three, personally. Uh, you can definitely maybe try to slide him in as a tight end two, but you better add some depth to that tight end room, in my opinion, in, in that build. Yes, I mean, we have Hurst ranked
3: tight end 22. Um, so he does slide into that low end tight end. Two territory in our rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, CJ Ozoma finished what I'm pulling it up right now. He was um, tight end 19 last season, um, you know, only on 63 targets. That's kind of the concern. Um, you know, you're going to see Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd obviously be the clear top three in that passing game. But I, I do think you know Hurst is you know as good, if not better, of a pass catcher than CJ Ozoma. Other thing with with Cincinnati too that I like is. If you guys remember early on in the season, even into the midway part of the season, they, they were still a pretty run leaning offense. It wasn't until the final few games of the regular season and then into the playoffs, they became pass heavy. Um, and I, I I think that's going to continue now in 2022 with, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow having the injury another year behind him and Jamar Chase doing what he did as a rookie along with T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. So I do think you're going to see the pass volume climb in Cincinnati this season, which, you know, should should help Hurst as
2: well yeah the Hurst one's interesting, um, and I feel like he, he's sometimes an overlooked guy in best ball, but I think like Jared brought up, like Uzoma was the kind of guy that would have his kind of scoring in bunches. You'd have multiple touchdown games, and um, you know you'll have those games where the tight end is just running free for Cincinnati uh, based on all the all the weapons. So um, Hearst is interesting. Like you know we liked him as a prospect a lot. Um, I think that you know he had some production for Atlanta. And then last year, you know, the, the whole Kyle Pitts coming there. So he's kind of like a, like a post-type guy that's a little bit under the radar. Um, he's definitely one to monitor. And just, uh, Jared, you, you brought up Travis Kelsey earlier. J.D. talked about how his philosophy on tight ends, you know, either going tight end early or, or late. Um, you brought up Goddard as a guy you're targeting in, in the mid-rounds. What's your general approach to the tight end position? Are you um, open to different strategies? Or what do you find yourself doing when, when you're doing your builds?
3: Yeah so on Kelsey I actually think he might be undervalued right now. Um you know we're all, we're all trying to figure out like which of these Chiefs receivers is going to hit and I'm sure one or two of them are but like what if Travis Kelsey just sets a career high in you know target share and targets this season. 80% I mean, target yeah. share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll take we'll take 30 even or, or 25 but uh, I I just think you know he could see massive volume this season so um you know FFPC again middle of the first round. I like Travis Kelsey. And even on like like underdog, I like him in the back half of the first round, or even you know, anywhere in round two. I think he's a great pick. Um, so it's for me, it's kind of like Kelsey. If I can get him in the first or second, then like Goddard becomes my next target. And then there's two guys going pretty late that I really like. Uh, the first one's David and Joku, um, who I've always been a fan of. You know, since he came into the league, and it's you know been a been a rocky start to his career. He did have the you know top ten fantasy season in his second year in the league and then he's been quieter the past three seasons as he said to you know share time with austin hooper and there's been quarterback issues in cleveland um, but i still think he's a, a big time talent uh, he's still just 26 years old or he turns 26 in july actually the browns gave him a, a big contract this offseason they actually franchise tagged him to start and they agreed to a, a new contract four years 55 million dollars it makes Njoku the fifth highest paid tight end in the NFL. So, you know, that tells me they want to use this guy. Um, Deshaun Watson, obviously the big question in Cleveland, you know, if he's going to play, how many games he's going to play, that's going to impact Njoku. But, um uh, he, Njoku's going late enough where I'm, I'm definitely taking the plunge on him right now. I think he could be a top 12 tight end when you look at his talent, plus the quarterback upgrade he's hopefully going to get.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, that's only the second time that the Browns have ever franchise tagged uh, a player since they, they moved back to Cleveland. It was like yeah. a notable thing. Um, and now you're right, he's getting he's getting paid a fortune. So he's uh he's one that, you know, obviously the the Watson situation hanging over our heads, but Najoko is, is super, super interesting. Yeah. Um two tight ends you didn't mention, um actually we could we could push it to three. Um Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews and Darren Waller, do you just see them as maybe going a little too high for you? Um or is are do you think that they're justifiable to to take mark andrews like end of the first in the FFPC pits in the second like do you think those prices are are going to be decent win rates on those or or you're kind of down on that
3: um andrews tends to go a little too high for me um i just think you know, he he benefited benefited last year from the ravens going pass heavier and he you know easily set a career high in targets i think that's going to dip a bit um in 2022 year, I mean he he's fine. He's I'm you know I don't want people to be outright avoiding him, but he's not a guy I've taken an ADP much. And I think Pitts and Waller are kind of fair fairly valued. Um, you know, Pitts obviously awesome talent. He's going to see the volume, and I, I think he probably even out targets Drake London. I think he should lead Atlanta in targets this season. The quarterback plays a concern, but I think you know he's going to see enough volume and is is good enough to you know produce in spite of it. And then Waller, the, the concern is that any dip in volume for him with Devonta Adams there. I mean, again, I do think that Raiders' offense is going to be fast-paced and pretty pass-heavy under Josh McDaniels. So I think there's going to be enough to go around for Waller. Um, actually, Renfro is probably the guy that's going to take a bigger hit um, with
2: Adams' arrival than, than Waller is. What about – I'll just throw a kind of a, a group. It seems like the – the ADP on tight ends I think is pretty clear right now, and I don't think it's going to change too much, at least in the top, let's say, eight tight ends. Um, I think as the summer moves yep. along, they'll kind of stay locked in. But there's the, that, like, next group of tight ends. Um, do you think that there's any value in, in drafters drafting Ertz, Friermuth, Knox, and then we'll throw our boy Cole Komet as uh, tight end 12? <laughs> but I, he's not not always tight end 12, but he's definitely sliding in. You're missing the long. most important top
1: 12 tight end deal. Come on. Alberto, man. Come on.
2: Oh, yeah. Alberto O's, Albert O's slipping, J.D. You're going to get Alberto O. Low. Good,
1: good. So yeah, no, listen, I, I love it.
2: I, I, we can, we can ask your opinion on Albert O after, after those guys, but do you think like that kind of like the, the, the middle tier of tight end, do you see any value in attacking those guys?
3: Um, not particularly because I just think the guys going – like like the, a lot of the next like eight to ten tight ends in ADP to me are similar in value, and some of them even have more upside. Earth er, is the one guy I like. Um, he was just really good, saw a lot of volume. Uh, After being traded to Arizona last season, then with DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six games last season or or this coming season, I think you're going to see earths soak up a good amount of volume, at least early on in the season. Um, The other guys I'm not super high on. I don't know. You got, you guys like Cole Komet. I'm not a, I'm I'm not a big fan of the player, but I do think he's going to get a good volume this season. So I think it's a
1: narrow target tree. We talk about it. And Dan loves Kyle, you know, Komet's his guy. Who's fighting? Who's he fighting with for targets, right? Mooney and, and,
2: uh, I just think like what JD said, I think it, I think he'd get 120 targets. So I think he could be like, so I don't know. It's, I don't think he can like commit to me as a guy where I think he's got a considerably high floor, but I think he, he tops out by his ceiling based on the offense, but where he's being drafted, like you can get him in the 10th round, um, or lower. So I, I think he's interesting. Um, why don't we go ahead and, and JD's JD's a big fan of Albert O um this season. Do you think that the that maybe drafters are overreacting to the to the Dulcich stuff and Albert O becomes a, a value? Um I know like in this particular draft, um, you know, he's we see him going like tight end sixteen, tight end seventeen, tight end eighteen level. So like when we started drafting, um, you know, after the draft and, and Fant got moved, we saw mm-hmm. Albert O being drafted as like tight end eleven, tight end twelve. So it seems kind of like the market's moving yeah. a lot on him. What's your take on him maybe as a player and situation?
3: Yeah. And it's funny too. He's like, you know, we we have our rankings and projections up all throughout the offseason. So like you know, Albert O before the, before the Noah Fant trade was, you know, down in the thirties and then he, he did get inside of our top 12, um, you know, after the Fant trade before they drafted Dalsich, you know, he's down five or six spots from there. Now, you know, rookie tight ends, usually don't do a whole lot. So I you know, I don't want to overrate the Dulcich, the Dalsich uh, addition there. Um, it is interesting, you know, they they took Dalsich in the third round of this year's draft, and, you know, Albert O was only a fourth round pick. So, you know, they, they've invested more in Dalsich. But, you know, what Albert O has done in limited action over, you know, especially last year, he, he was good. You know, he was up near the top of the league in yards per route run among tight ends. Um, and with the quarterback upgrade there, you could definitely see, you know, a, at least a quasi- Breakout season. I do think you know there's the target competition is tough. You know we talked about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Tim Patrick is is a good wide receiver too. Um, we'll see what Denver gets from from KJ Hamler. I'm not you know super optimistic about what he's gonna do coming off his injuries. But um, it's you know it's just tough tough target competition for Alberto. But uh, he could definitely be super efficient with with his talent level and the you know quarterback he's upgrade he's getting with Russell Wilson arriving.
1: So he, he had 10, 10% target share last year, right, in 2021. So you got to think with Fant gone. I know the rookies there. And, it, you know, in the middle of May, they like to talk yeah. about the rookies. That's for sure. But, I mm-hmm. mean, like Theo just uh, announced to me, it looks like I'll be getting some more Alberto at value. I like him. I just love what he showed last year. He gave you six top 24 weeks last year, uh, you know, again, kind of with a very limited role in that offense. And now you have this huge upgrade. A lot of reasons to like it. So um, what was the other... We, we have.
2: We have also historical, like the. Sometimes we, we talk about like crowded, um, and we're going to talk about ambiguous situations with with Jared on some other positions, but like crowded tight end rooms, sometimes or the perception of it produced big ADP winners, yeah. like the Schultz Schultz Jarwin produced yes, a big winner. That's a perfect example. Higby Higby Everett produced a big winner years back, where we got mm-hmm. the big Higby season. Um, so I do think that like. Dulcich is a player that's interesting. Um, I think he's got very good receiver skills, but you could see when Alberto, a player of his size and athleticism with this potential opportunity, it gets to a point where you have to, you can draft him as your tight end too. Um, He gets more and more interesting when he falls into like tight end 18. Um, So um, he's, he's, he's going to be a guy we talk about um, like all summer long. Is there any other tight ends you want to ask Jared about JD?
1: Tanyan, uh, Robert Tanyan's another guy I love. Just what we saw a couple of years ago with, you know, again, talking narrow target trees. Now Adams is gone. You know, everybody's talking up Lazard. I love just waiting, uh, grabbing Rodgers at a value right now because everybody's, you know, poo-pooing him before another MVP season. And, uh, you know, stacking him with Tanyan way later in these tight end preems is one of my favorites. How do you feel about the tight end?
3: Yeah, so I'm looking at ADP. Tanyan's tight end 21 on FFPC. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. his underdog FFP or ADP is crazy. He's like tight end 14 on underdog. So oh, I, I've wow. gone nowhere near him there, uh, but I do think tight end 21 is fair on FFPC. I mean, he's coming off the injury. We'll see on that. You now his one big season in green Bay a couple of years ago, that was just a insane touchdown rate that he's obviously not going to repeat, but you know, he, he definitely has a chance to you know set a new career high in targets this season with Adams gone. So I'm definitely okay with him. If you're getting him around tight end 20.
1: What, what's your play? Just your general. I know it's not in the questions, but we talked about this the other the other day. That I find the underdog ADP after doing a lot of FFPC drafts and you know mm-hmm. the other leagues that we talk about on here that I can't think of right now. But um, I find the underdog is just all over the place, mm-hmm. and there's bigger volumes, right? Because they've got the puppy, the five dollar, and then I'm sure it's all affecting that. Uh, what's your take on playing the FFP the sorry the ADPs in each of these leagues to kind of gain an edge? But yeah, it's a great opportunity. You know, someone like Tony and you're not going to get shares of
3: him on underdog, or at least I'm not that ADP. But if you, he's going, you know, seven tight end spots later in FPC, that's the spot to grab him. So you definitely got to pay attention to that and know where to grab guys. Um, I, I, I still think on underdog. A lot of people don't react enough to the fact that it's just half PPR. I think people still draft if it's if it's We're full fine. PPR, and it, it you know it, it, it makes a big difference. I know it's just half a point of catch, but it really does make a difference when you're evaluating players, you know, both within positions and then when you're evaluating, you know, a running back versus a wide receiver or whatever, you know, it, it really does – it really does
2: matter. Evan Ingram, we got brought up <laughs> in the chat. Your thoughts on him?
3: He's actually the other guy on my list I wanted to bring up, a, a guy that I've been drafting a lot of. And, man, I, I – I didn't want to be high on him because, like, you know, you you guys know it's Evan Ingram. He's, you know, just been frustrating. It's hard. He's broke broke your heart a couple times. His price, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, he's so cheap. Um, (laughs) What is he on? Um, Pulling up.
1: Yeah, even on FFPCs. He's 13th round in the FFPC. That's tight end preem.
3: Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah 13th round, tight end 25. Um man, I know he's had his injury issues, but he finishes the top seven tight end in fantasy points per game each of his first three seasons. He's still just 28 years old in September. Um, you know, Jacksonville gave him just a one-year deal, but they gave him $9 million. So it was a pretty big investment. And then Doug Peterson's offense, you go back to his time in, in Philly, he peppered tight ends with targets. And I know they had Zach Ertz and Dallas got it for some of that time. So that played some part of it. But I do think that's an offense that does want to feature the tight end. And I think the fact that they gave Evan Ingram Nine million bucks is a you know pretty good indication that they want him to be a big part of the offense. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Um, but again, just the price he's going at tight end twenty-five. I think he's a no-brainer there. Quick quick OTC for you guys. Uh Ingram or Higby. Ingram. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going Ingram too. I mean, Higbee's definitely safer, but I think you know Ingram's more likely to finish as a top twelve tight end in, in my mind. Ingram
1: or Gerald Everett.
2: Ingram. I'll stick it with Ingram. Ingram, the, the like the Jacksonville also brought in, like they got panned for the Kirk signing, um they got panned for the Jones signing because they kind of paid those guys a little too much, um but like everything that that they've done has been adding these guys with a ton of speed, and I think that Peterson will actually utilize it where you watch, um you know sometimes the past couple of years in New York you'd say like what are they doing with Ingram. Um, you know, finally, yeah. they like I'll, I'll echo what Jared said, like you get a coach who actually knows how to use the tight end um, and a situation where he could potentially come away with kind of a, a late career bump. I think he's super interesting. And I'll speak for Dan since he's not on tonight. Dan is a big fan of the Ingram yeah. situation as well. So that's a, I'm, we're glad to see you're you're on him. Um, and I'm super stoked to see you. And on, those on are two guys out.
1: that are those are two guys that are going ahead of him right now in in the football guys
2: yeah. championship on uh, on the FFPC yeah no for sure um and like you if you wanted to go in some of these builds you could grab a, a commit in the 10th round and then follow up and take an ingram and, and you haven't used much draft capital and you know you might have a floor guy with a potential ceiling guy so it's there's different ways to play the tight end spot this year um it'll be interesting to see the win rates at the end of the year for the you know the kelsey and the Pitts drafters versus the weight on tight end it could be a fun weight on tight end type year um We talked a little bit about Denver. Um, It's not on the show sheet, but you've written some good stuff on Russell Wilson. There's been um, uh, some good stuff written about him in general on Draft Sharks. Um, He's a player who you're a fan of. Um, Maybe you could share your expectations for him in a big bounce back year this year in Denver.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you look at his his season-long numbers last year, you might – be concerned. And you look at his age, I think he's like 33 or 34 now. So maybe there's a chance he's, you know, hit the wall or whatever, but I I look at the the splits pre and post finger injury and, you know, he was still awesome before that finger injury. Then his like next like six or seven games after the injury is when he really struggled. And even the last two or three games of last season, he kind of started to get it going again. So I I think he's going to bounce back from a, you know, real life perspective. I still think he's, you know, an excellent, quarterback and has years left on him and then it's just you know a, a good situation in denver with the weapons maybe not quite as strong as, as metcalf plus lockett but you know you have sutton and judy and then you have tim patrick and and, and albert O. Oh, it's it might be even deeper uh you know weapons wise than what he had in, in seattle and the other thing too is you know he's finally freed of pete carroll we we could definitely see wilson set a new career high in pass attempts this season you know, maybe denver actually lets russ
2: cook a little bit yeah and you would also run up car herbert and and Mahomes I mean that that like yeah. that division if any if any division set up to have shootouts it's got to be that one you've got that week 17 game. it's the, just the like KC. yeah how could you how could you not want a piece of that so yeah we're, yeah. we're glad to see you guys on Russell Wilson and just to we're, we've been re talking redraft but were you are was is Denver a team you're trying to build stacks with in in, in um best ball as well Jared
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's interesting, too, you know, if you're looking for that Week 17 correlation with that Broncos-Chiefs game. I don't love Mahomes at ADP right now, but, um, you know, like I said, I like Kelsey, and then all all his wide receivers are cheap enough just because there's so much uncertainty there. I think it's, you know, pretty easy to build a Denver stack and then you'll run it back with, you know, one or two of those Chiefs' uh, skill position, guys.
2: We want to talk about the 101. Um, Right now, if you're on the clock, it's main event season. It's September. For big money, who are you taking at the one hundred
3: and one? If it's a main event, it's like you know the, the one draft I care about. I mean, we can get we can talk about basketball and diversifying. No, and no, no. You're
2: you're a big draft for all the money. Who are you taking?
3: They, I'm taking I'm taking Christian McCaffrey because I I think he's going to outscore Jonathan Taylor per game. I think if. Both guys play 17 games. I think Christian McCaffrey scores more PPR points. Um, Taylor's safer. I and mean, he's young. He doesn't have the injury issues that McCaffrey's had the past few seasons now. But I think um, if they're both on the field, McCaffrey's going to score more more PPR points.
1: See, we could have traded our 101. We could have traded back to Jared and still got <laughs> JT at 102 in that yep. uh, in, in our best ball tourney.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's it's like uh... – it's a tough decision. I mean, I think it, to me, it's like a clear one hundred one, one hundred two. Um, like I'm, I'm pretty high volume, so I think I'll get mm-hmm. some exposure to CMC at the one hundred two. I mean, for me, it's it's just Taylor. I think he's he's younger. Um, I like the offensive line better. I like the the quarterback better. But yeah, you could. I mean, there's few players in football um, that are capable of of averaging like thirty plus. Yeah. And CMC is is one of them. So I can see the bullish take on CMC um versus Taylor um and I I do think there's a chance that it could be close like they both the 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 win rates for both are good um but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting one
1: I, I just think that if you're you're like even if you don't want to pick one you have a higher chance of getting McCaffrey past the 102 than getting JT past the 101 that, and that's, you know, if you oh, to kind of mix up your yeah. shares and, and you're, you know, of course we, see, we put you on the spot here. We're like, dude, you're paying a million bucks you're, for this lead right. right now. Who are you yeah. taking? And I love how you yeah. went CMC. You see <laughs> in the comments in the chat. Um, that's great. You know, you take your guy, but just even if you, you know, I'm a JT guy, I'm a Colts fan. He's my guy. He's on my, you know, Twitter a profile pick. I mean, you know, there's a little bias there, but for me, JT just offers so much and I just love watching him. Uh, But you can't go wrong with either one of these guys. For me, it's these two and then the receivers are are those, you know,
2: my top five picks, I guess, uh, in the first round. One polarizing receiver we didn't touch on is DK Metcalf. Uh, I just took him at 501 um, actually today in a slow football guys draft. So you're starting to see him, um, Wow. Go in something like that late fourth to early fifth yeah. range. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me he went. They saw him at a five oh six recently. I don't have fantasy mojo open. I'm I'm not sure, but I, to me he's like settling in. He's in the um,
1: so I've got again. I'm looking at the football guys because that's this time of year for redrafts. That's the one I'll use. Is uh, DK Metcalf is about? He's at four oh four. No, he's coming back the other way. Sorry, so he's four eight.
2: Yeah, so somewhere towards that end of the fourth, early fifth. Yeah. Um, do you think that, that he's a quarterback-proof type player? Uh, do you see him as a guy re- potentially returning big value here? What's your general take of, of DK Metcalf when we look at it in the context of ADP?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely worried about the quarterback situa- situation there. Um, I hate that Seattle was such a slow offense last season. They, they ran easily the, the fewest offensive snaps in the NFL Last year, and their offensive coordinator Shane Waldron is back, so like that—that's a concern as well. Um, but man, I, everyone is worth buying at a price, and you know where Metcalf's going now. You know, so we have his ADP at wide receiver nineteen on FFPC. He's wide receiver twenty-three on Underdog. Um, so again, that's where you gotta look at at ADPs and even Underdog again half PPR. I think he has more value, yeah, in half PPR than full. Um, so that's where I'm especially buying DK Metcalf at wide receiver 23 on underdog. I mean, I still think he's an elite talent. Um, it, yeah, tiny sample, obviously he's Metcalf's only played three career games without Russell Wilson. They all came last year with Geno Smith, but he went six catches, 58 yards in the first one, two catches, 96 yards in the touchdown in the second and six catches for 43 yards and two touchdowns in the third. So he was fine with Geno Smith last year. I know it's only three games, you know, losing Russell Wilson's definitely going to hurt, but I still think he can, you know, produce enough to, to return a profit at
2: the you know, ADPs going at right now. Yeah, like to me, it's like for me, I know like not to get too galaxy-brained into structural drafting, <laughs> but if you have the chance to have DK Metcalf as your flex, like yeah. in these NFFCs and and, um, and FFPCs, uh, Jack Hahn, who's one of the better um, high-stakes players uh, in the country, he's going to be on the go district later this summer. He mentioned that he got a DK in the fifth round of the NFFC draft. Which is a, insane. It's a start three wide receivers and a flex. So mm-hmm. wide receivers go a lot higher. So it's like the market's moving, where you can get DK as a flex, um, or even a wide receiver two. It kind of offsets the you know potential that that there could be, you know, less week to week you know consistency, yeah. and you can kind of put up with the peaks and valleys. I think he could be a really dynamic uh, flex play for if some big time winning team. So I'm on DK in that range. Um, even if 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 one of the three of us was was his quarterback, DK would find a way to get into the uh, into the end zone My shoulders are
1: done. My shoulders. My spine is messed. I, you don't want me throwing a ball, man. Come on. Hey, let's well, do let's do some quick OTC, man. I'm in the OTC mode tonight. Uh, DK Metcalf or, or Terry McLaurin. McLaurin. Yeah, slightly into McLaurin. It's close though. DK Marquise Brown. I like DK.
2: Again, it like I if it was my wide receiver two, I'd probably want Hollywood Brown, but in a in a vacuum, uh, I, I it's a tough one. JD, yeah. I'm gonna stay. Holly, I'm gonna stay Hollywood Brown just because I think he could absolutely smash to start the season, and it might be like a little slow moving with yeah. DK. But they're they're neck and neck. I literally took Hollywood Brown at the four twelve when I took DK at the five hundred one for this particular team. So I like them both in that range. Yeah, I, I think what
1: you touched on with the roster build, that's where DK. Depends for me on on the roster build. That's what makes that decision. You know, whether you start late on receiver, a little later on receiver, and you want to, you know, you still want that last stud that's sitting there in DK. Or like you said, he's your wide receiver three and he, or is your flex spot. That's pretty sweet as well with the upside that you're, you're getting.
2: Yeah, like if I had Cooper Cup in the first round and Tyree Hill in the second, and I was mm-hmm. able to have DK as my, my wide receiver three, I yeah. like I might like that over a over a Hollywood Brown. as my especially after grabbing play.
1: like two running backs in between yeah. there, like a tight end and a running back or something in between, and then coming back. Maybe
2: one, me. maybe maybe one dead zone running back for me. Jamie. I'm not I'm not, not double dipping the dead zone. I don't double dip.
1: <laughs> that's because that's because you want to go a little. You like you like reaching a little earlier on them. You know we like
2: taking our 100 exactly. We we touched on we touched on a couple of um you know these ambiguous situations um so let's dive into it. Are you searching for value or avoiding the situations? I'll throw out the New England running back situation, the Kansas City running back situation.
1: Well, are, well hold we'll- on, hold on, hold on.
2: Let, let's t- take it east. Let's digest here. Let's, let's do let's start, see the start, running backs. No,
1: let's start in New England. Just the, the only reason I say it, sorry, Theo, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the oh, reason no. I want to start with New England, because we've got Patrick, uh, uh, Patricia right now, uh, you know, and now we're hearing that he's calling the offense in New England. So I wanted to get Jared's thoughts on that, how that affects yeah. him drafting these New England players. And then for sure, we got to talk about the New England backfield situation.
3: Yeah, that, that's a concern that, you know, they're you know, still not sure he's going to be calling plays or I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. It's a, it's a bit concerning for sure. Um I also think New England's probably going to lean a bit heavier on the past this season. Uh, Mac Jones is second season. They add Devonte Parker, you know, they spend a second round pick on, on, on Thornton. Um, so I, I, as I do most years, I'm trying to stay away from the Patriots back, but I'll, I'll take shots in best ball. And I don't have to worry about setting lineups. I do think Armand J. Stevenson is pretty interesting because I think, I, I think Damon Harris will, will lead the way and carries, you know, when these guys are healthy, but I think Stevenson can, you know, mix in for eight to 12 carries per game. And I, I, you know, I think they like him in the passing game. Um, you know, he he was good when given a chance there last year, and he was a good pass catcher in college too. You don't you know think of him in that way because he's a bigger back, but I think he can do it in the passing game. We'll see what happens with James White, but you know, he's old and he's coming off a pretty serious hip injury now. So that that uh pass catching role might be available. And if Stevenson can get that along with you know, 8, 10, 12 carries a game, then you know, he, he could be interesting. How about
2: Stevenson as well? I think he's the value um, in New England um. And like Jared said, he's got a bunch of different paths. Like if Harris goes down, Stevenson crushes. And if James White, like everybody's kind of assuming James White is going to return to full strength and be the, be what he was. I mean, there's a chance that Stevenson just takes that pass catching role um, this year. Um, and mean, the guy had over 600 yards rushing last year. Um, and like Jared said, he showed like he's an efficient receiver. He maybe had 15 or so catches last year, but he's efficient. And, um... He's like a big back that can catch, so he's interesting. Um, we saw McKinnon sign today with Kansas City. How about that Kansas City running back situation with C.E.H., Ronald Jones, and now McKinnon in the mix? Is there a guy you you want, or are you just avoiding it?
3: I I have reluctantly drafted some Edwards-Alaire so far this, this spring, um, and I'm probably less – Likely to do it now that they added McKinnon. I mean, I, I don't think McKinnon moves the needle a, a whole lot. I mean, he he did nothing in the regular season last year. He, he was good in the playoffs, but, you know, he's he's 30 years old now. Um, You know, he he lasted, what, like three months into free agency before he signed. So I think he's like an insurance policy. I think the Chiefs, you know, still don't know what they have in CEH. I'm sure you guys saw the story about his gallbladder last yeah. March or whatever. He got down to 160 pounds. That, that explains some of why he struggled. Um, but I don't know. He, he's just been underwhelming to me so far in the NFL in like, such I, a I,
1: situation, right? I, like, that, that's, 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 that's the thing I
3: want to buy into the chiefs backfield. You know, Andy Reid has historically produced, you know, nice fantasy numbers from his running backs. Um, but I, I just, I don't love Edward layer as a player, Ronald Jones, to me, Ronald Jones is probably the best pure runner there now. But, I mean, the guy just can never get out of his own way and he's just a zero in the passing game. So, you know, it's tough to get excited about his ceiling. Um, so it's definitely a wait-and-see situation for me. They're all, they're all cheap enough
1: right now where you can definitely take shots and just see what happens. Yeah, Rojo in the ninth, I mean, you don't have to get that excited. You know, it's almost almost yeah. up digits. Maybe you wait till the 10th to see if he falls. Maybe if <laughs> that crane's not in your draft and he falls to the to the 10th, you know.
2: Or maybe maybe Ronald Jones, like – so I think Rojo would be the one if I want to take shots on. Like, like J.D. said, I think you could see they all kind of dip in ADP. And Rojo, you know, when he goes in that range where it's, you know, him against like the Tyler Algiers, those, those sort of decisions. Um, because I don't know, I feel like the it, the McKinnon signing hurts Ceh more than it hurts Rojo sure. uh, because it, it takes away the pass catching. Um, what about the Chiefs' wide receiver situation? Right now, we're seeing Sky Moore kind of moving up. Juju's there. The the beat re- re- reporters are all over MBS right now. So, are, is there a is there a, a wide receiver value in Kansas City, um, or is that something you're avoiding?
3: Kind of like with the running backs, I think they're all going late enough in drafts where you can take shots on them. I mean, Sky Sky, Sky Moore is um, a bit pr- pricier than I'd like, um, but man, I actually just last week I was doing our Chiefs profiles for the site, so I was really digging into all these wide receivers, and after doing that, I like more. I like sky more more than I thought I did before doing those. Just it's mostly because to me, Juju and MVS have just been underwhelming. I mean, you know, Juju has not really been great for the past three years now, and it's you know been injuries and there's been quarterback issues in Pittsburgh, obviously, um, but he, he just hasn't been very efficient or productive over the past few seasons. MVS is interesting. I mean, he never commanded a, a big target share in Green Bay. You know, he was always more of the situational deep threat guy. I would guess Kansas city thinks he can do more than that based on what they paid him. You know, I I think he got a three year, $30 million deal. So I think Kansas city thinks he can do more. I mean, we'll see though. You know, he's, 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 this is his fifth season now. And again, he, he never commanded more than like a 15% target share in green Bay. So I'm not going to, you know, go crazy and think he's going to all of a sudden be this, you know, 20, 22% target share guy in Kansas city. So I, mean, I guess, I guess roundabout way of saying, I'm not sure what I think of the situation at this point. Um, but again, they're all going cheap enough where I want to take shots on them. Cause I do think one or two of these guys is going to hit.
1: Yeah. I, sorry, Theo, I was just going to say, I don't know if you noticed the little, little taste of a, another board that we'll be doing a review. You, Dan and I, and Andrew are doing uh, one of the $35 best ball tournaments on FFPC and I had Mahomes. I know you don't like his his price, uh, Jared, but it's super flex. I don't have any Mahomes, so I took him. And I ended up waiting uh, on who I'm – I like actually pairing like a Hardman who's like in the 14th round with Sky Moore who's, you know, a little earlier. I got him in the 10th round. I just feel like you're getting maybe like uh, early season, later season type of compliment or maybe on and off, you know, week with with them maybe together they create – um a good wide receiver three ish just because or even maybe a wide receiver two if things go really well and i think it's worth taking those shots like you talk about and mixing it up just because of the offense we're talking about and those targets that are now available in that offense with hill uh leaving leaving kansas city yeah MBS,
3: hardman,
2: interesting i'm sorry go ahead about hardman
3: i was gonna say Har- hardman's a guy i'm kind of out on um I just think, he, I just think he is what he is at this point. I think, he's Here, you know, up. he's going to
1: pop now that you said, <laughs> you, you know how it works with these guys, right? He's like the Devonte Adams that pops yeah. in KC. Yeah.
3: I mean, we'll, we'll see. I just, you look at, he's in, Hardman's had like nine or 10 career games without Tyree kill. And even in those games, he hasn't been very good. I think in like one or two of them, he's put up useful fantasy numbers. Um, I, I just think he's going to kind of stay in the same role he's been in. And that's, you know, it's it's been fine for best ball. He's popped a few weeks every year. But, you know, Hardman has not been a guy you can
2: you know, rely on in,
3: in a lineup setting fantasy
2: league. He's a role. He's a role player, in my yeah. opinion. He's, he, you've seen enough of him in the NFL to know what he is. But MBS is interesting because, like, he's going super late still um, where I don't know. It's sometimes the, you have to listen to the drum beats and, and they're yep. all over it. What about the Green Bay wide receiver situation? Christian Watson, Alan Lazard. Some people are even talking about Sammy Watkins. It's it's kind of – it's really Amari Rogers. It's an ugly situation. Is there a guy that you think is a value there?
3: Not really. I mean, I'm not aggressively taking any of those guys. Um, Again, I talked about Green Bay before. They were a slow-paced offense last season. They were, like, middle of the pack in terms of pass rate. I I think they – shift even more towards the run now with Devonta Adams there. So I'm kind of off the Green Bay passing game in general. Um, I guess, you know, Al Nazar is a guy I'll take some shots in. I do think he's the best bet to lead those wide receivers and targets. But I, I mean, I don't want to switch gears, but I think Aaron Jones is the guy who might benefit the most from Devonta Adams being gone. We've seen previously in games Adams has missed that Aaron Jones has just taken on a much, much bigger role in the passing game.
2: Aaron Jones is the correct answer. <laughs> uh, you're, you're the winner, Jared, because that's the nice. that's the pass catcher you want in, in Green yep. Bay, in my opinion. Agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, the, the room agrees. We're, we're getting we're getting pretty deep into the show here uh, in terms of time, so I want to get in. We've asked every single uh, JD. I think we've asked every single guest this question. Um, yeah. So we're going to continue with Jared. It's kind of uh, you know we 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 um we we had a, a running dynasty uh, dynasty rookie draft question. And we kept it going with all these guests, so we'll we'll do it for the redraft <laughs> guys as well. Um, right now, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson are the consensus top three wide receivers. Um, yeah. it, I think most people would bet on one of those three being wide receiver one overall. If it's not one of those three, which wide receiver do you think finishes as one, wide receiver one overall this year uh, in fantasy scoring?
3: Yeah, I thought about this, and I wish I could give him like a crazier answer, more of a hot take, but I do think it's Steph Diggs. Um, when you just we just look at the Bills' offense in general, how fast-paced and pass-heavy they are, and I expect that to continue this season. So I, I just think the volume upside is there for Diggs. And then you yeah, know they they lost Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, and I I like Gabe Davis and I like Jamison Crowder, but you know Crowder's getting up there in, in age. He's had trouble staying healthy. Davis is unproven as a as a full-time player. Um, so, you know, what if, what if those guys struggle? Then you can get Diggs, you know, up into the 30% target range on a pass-heavy, fast-paced offense. You know, there, there's a chance he could, you know, start to, you know, creep up towards 200 targets. Um, and in that case, you know, that's the scenario where he, he could definitely finish as the, the wide receiver one.
2: We've had a bunch of guests on that Diggs train. Uh, JD, I know you're high on him as well. Well, I mean,
1: guys, he finished wide receiver nine last year in a down year. You know what I mean? And, you know, this offense is coming back with a vengeance. You know he's going to be a big part of that. You know, every year it's basics, but you you got to think, you know, you got to give a bit of juice for for just Diggs and Allen building that rapport one other season together. This this is a long-term thing, thing for them And until they, they raise that Super Bowl. Uh, I think that investing in, in both of those guys are, is just a smart move, especially at Diggs' little minute discount right now.
2: And they paid the hell out of him. Um, yeah. He got a huge contract, and he's like, like Jared brought up with Devontae Adams, like, when you're in that tricky like 9 10 11 12 hole digs is I think mm-hmm. a great great way to structure your team um, yeah re- we've heard a lot the, the last couple of days handcuffing has been a big thing on fantasy Twitter I think somebody uh, tweeted that you should have had um, at, you should have Alexander Madison on your Dalvin cook teams and it set off like a big June like we have nothing to talk about argument are you a handcuffer do you do it sometimes or is it something you <laughs> try to avoid in
3: I mean, it definitely depends on the format. For starters, like if it's you know just if it's just a single twelve-team home league, then I think it could definitely make sense. The bigger and bigger you get as far as uh, tournament goes, you know, if you're talking the underdog Best Ball Mania three with however many hundreds of thousands of teams are in that, I think it makes less sense. I I think to me, it also matters how big an investment you made in that starting running back. Like the Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison situation, if I'm spending a first or second round pick on Dalvin Cook, like I, I need him to deliver. So I'm probably not handcuffing Madison with Cook. Again, if we're talking about these these, you know, big tournaments. Um but if my if I'm drafting, you know, the the top back in round eight and I get his, you know, quote unquote handcuff in round twelve, I think I think that can work because in that case you're not making as big of a bet on that on that starter.
1: Well, you're you're yeah, usually least, trying to fill like an RB three, RB four spot with like right. two guys at that point. So if they're on the same team and you see like that nice complement, you know, in, in both of their yeah. Board, I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I I think
3: a perfect example is the Chiefs' backfield. You know, Evers-Alaire is going to, like round seven, and Ronald Jones is around nine or ten pick. I mean, True. I think I think that that can work where that and they'll that's probably go down numbers. now a
2: bit
1: more, right? So
2: right, Yeah. yeah. We've we've talked about um. I had a rule. I try to follow when I use early draft capital on a running back. I try to have a 10 round rule where mm-hmm. like Jared brought up the, you know, Madison, maybe being a little too high for that, where if you draft the guy in the first or second round, um, if you draft the guy in the first or second round, you know, and you can get his, his handcuff 10 rounds later, I have no problem with that. Um, yep. I think you see structural problems where some people would, I mean, for a couple for a while, it was like the, you'd always see a draft trying to get the Chubb and hunt. Like, or the Pollard and Zeke we're using those, that too much draft capital too kind of ruins your build yeah. Yeah. for sure. I, I was um, showing
1: Theo that, that I, 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 did, I wanted to mention it if you didn't, that I like that rule because I'm not a handcuff guy. I, I went from like, you know, years ago being a handcuff guy to just seeing how I just found it just caps your upside on your roster. Like you said, Jared, especially in the big tournament leagues. Uh, I used the 10 round thing. If it's like I'm deciding between two guys, and it's let's say 13 rounds later, 12 rounds later, as an option, whereas now I, I, I'm like I'll consider it as an option to mix mix things up because I'm doing higher volumes, uh, so I do like that just to add some variety to my build. But I'm not usually a, a, a handcuff guy.
2: And I'll say that the like we we've had some of the very best players in the country come on the show. We drafted against some of these guys. The I would say that for like the super successful high stakes players don't have some steadfast rule. They're not usually like – you don't find yeah. guys in absolutes that are making a ton of money in this game. Guys are flexible, and they're willing to do it sometimes. I think that um, a friend of the show, you know, Bebag Agbatoba, when he was on the show, he said he'll handcuff when he loves his build. So, like, if he has a chance to, to handcuff towards the end of the draft when he really loves what he's done in the first, you know, first half of the draft, um, you know, he'll do it. Um, we've had a couple other guys say they do it on occasion. So – um, don't let Twitter influence you on this. I think you can be kind of, you can be, um, you know, fluid on this one and do it sometimes.
3: For sure. I mean, that's, that's just great advice in general. You know, don't be locked into any one set strategy. Let the, let the draft play out. Um, I, I like what a said, you know, it's it kind of sounds like he uses it as a luxury pick if he feels like he has the opportunity to do that. Do like, like to me, like Alexander Madison in round nine or wherever he's going like that, that's too expensive to be a luxury opportunity pick, cost, you know? man. You can't, yeah. you're giving
1: up yeah. too much there.
2: Yeah. And like you brought up Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson. It's like, do you want to draft your RB4 who's your handcuff? Or do you want to draft a guy who could be beat his ADP by five rounds? So um, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting one.
1: All right, we've taken a buck twenty. Uh, Jared's been super generous. And, you know, as we, as
2: we do in the, the district, we've
1: squeezed as much as we could. You guys in the chat have been awesome. Uh, you know, one of our uh, busiest nights in the chat. So we appreciate you guys, Kev Wheeler, Jason Short, uh, nineteen twelve, always hanging with us. Uh, our boy Joey Brown. Guys, don't forget the listener league. Send your, uh, your full name, Twitter handle, email us, goat district at gmail.com. Check out Jared Smola at Smola, S-M-O-L-A-D-S on Twitter. No brainer follow. You guys probably already know him from Draft Sharks. Guys, make sure you're part of that site. You're following them and uh, just that extra edge, right? We're always bringing guys that are that are going to give you that edge. Jared, anything else you want to share uh, with the district before you part us tonight?
3: No, yeah, just check out my work on draftsharks.com. Um, we are wrapping up our uh, player profiles, uh, which are, you know, super detailed season previews for like 250 players, basically every draftable player we have a profile for. Um, those will be done uh, by the end of this week. We you know, They are for our, our members, but we're, we're posting some of them for free. If you if you want to just kind of check out what the profiles are all about, you can head over to the site and check those out. Um, our projections and rankings have been up for months now. They're updated every day as needed. You know, Our Chiefs running back projections are already updated for today's Jarek McKinnon news. Uh, so those are always available too.
2: Awesome.
1: Theo, always, always with the VIPs lined up uh, With the when it comes to our guest list. That's how we do it, man. We want to bring the best. We want you to be the best in your league. Tell the folks who's coming up
2: on the district. So we have Jack Miller from Establish the Run coming on Thursday. So we talked a ton of redraft tonight uh, with Jared. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of best ball and also some redraft with, with Jack. Jack Miller is super sharp. Uh, it's going to be a very, very fun show. And then Monday we have Dave Hubbard, one of the most successful uh, high stakes players um, in the country, and Billy Muzio, also extremely, uh, extremely successful high stakes player, uh, coming on for a for a double show on Monday. So we've got some some great stuff in the GOAT District.
1: Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe, just to support us. That's all we ask. We keep giving you the goodness, whether it's the you know the the guests. Uh, the 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 review boards, the live drafts, the the we answer your questions in the chat. We're trying to help you guys win your leagues in whatever leagues you're playing. Hopefully, you're playing on the FFPC. If you're not on the site, sign up now. We'll hook you up with a with a free sign up bonus uh, if you tag one of us on Twitter and Underdog guys use the code District. You could play for two million dollars, guys. You could play for a million dollars on FFPC. These are no brainer sites. If you're listening to this. Right now in middle of June, no brainer to play on those sites. And as you know, Viridian Global to get all your GOAT gear. Guy, guys, go check out Jared at Smola DS. He's Theo OG fantasy. Always love hanging with you, brother. I'm at JD GOAT District, and we'll check you all.
0: fish
1: fish, fish, fish. jared that was awesome dude appreciate you sitting through the outro too i was just putting in the chat i wish i wish you could play the outro and then like talk to your guests because i feel bad they're like (laughs) no it's
3: it's a sweet song i wanted to listen to it again anyway so that was good (laughs) appreciate have you heard our
2: have you heard our ballin song no i haven't that one's that one's good. you know what? Maybe so that, when Adam comes on, we'll just play the ballin' okay. song so you can you can hear that one. Or or so we that, get Jared so that, back
1: to do a live live <laughs> best ball. We'll do a best ball draft.
3: So so ballin is the uh show you guys do like draft live best drafts ball. and draft
1: reviews. Okay. Best ball. Yeah, it's just yeah, best yeah, ball. Really. We ball. we try we try to make it a, a live draft, but sometimes yep. we have guys come on talk strategy and stuff. But sure. We'd love to have you come on do a, a live draft, whether it's underdog or FFPC. Sure. Nice. Awesome, man nice awesome all
3: right boys thanks appreciate it it. have a good night
1: jared take care see you guys